The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. It's semi-final time at the Women's Rugby World Cup and the Spring Tour, the Autumn Nation Series, kicks off in earnest this week. Your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Fantastic to have Jamie Lyle on last week. If you were watching the Wallabies Scotland match outside Australia, it may well have been Jamie you were hearing in commentary, and he will be at it again this weekend for Scotland, Fiji, and uh, throughout the uh, the uh, the Autumn Nation series. Thanks to everyone as well for who climbed in the instant reaction pod after the Scotland test on Sunday morning. Uh, plenty of you had your say on the Raw as well as you can each week, or you can hit us up on the socials. Joining me this and every week, a man only just emerging from the influx of country opinions to his spring tour week one team of the week harry jones hello mate how are you how's it yeah pick pick a team of the week and get ready for some vitriol people are really tied (laughs) to certain people roger two of us a sec invented rugby um or if you're doing Uh anything involving other teams as you're about to find there's the Mm. dupontification people dupontificate Mm. antoine dupont is the greatest rugby player of all time. And mm, they don't want to mm. hear any contrary. But, uh, now, Co- co-invented your, uh, the game. Yeah, I was interested, yeah, yeah. It, and he's had 40 tests, which is good. But, you know, Aaron Smith has a few on him and has been through a few more wars. I would, I would you know, mm. I would like to see a little more from him before we anoint him the crown prince. Um, so I know you, you were confused about how the Wallabies won and you're still scratching your head. And you're a guy yes. who likes you're a guy who likes to know why something happens. This is one of your mm. personality traits I've learned. But you know, I was reading the Scottish press, and they are very clear about what it is. They say you have to have a first uh, first line goal kicker. Blair Kinghorn doesn't even kick for Edinburgh. I think Emilio, yeah. Emiliano Boffelli does that. I think maybe he's even the third off the cab. George Horn, who was on for Glasgow uh, at the end of that match, is actually a decent goal kicker. Um, he wasn't kicking. Um, Blair Kinghorn, at the moment, in the, in the critical kicks, he was he was not really over the ball. His chest and his belly button were lagging far behind. It was the, as we all duffers know, it's that quick hook when you're a little bit nervous, when you have the, the wager on, on the final hole. So I think <laughs> you did a study of the Wallabies kicking and imagine how bad the Wallabies season would have been in 2022 if they hadn't made so many critical kicks. Yeah. What, what do you? What did you find when you looked at the the numbers of the Wallaby kickers? It was surprisingly good. It was way better than I thought it was. The, they've kicked across six kickers this year. Collectively, have kicked thirty nine out of 40, from forty two. Uh, and and pen, penalties is seventeen from eighteen. Yeah, that'll win. That'll that'll win some close matches. And yeah. in the end, especially when you're in the the wet or you know the the dark yeah. Murray fields. It's everything, and and yeah, Scotland absolutely. lived off that with you know your with your uh, doppelganger, uh, Greg Laidlaw, and uh, before that Chris Patterson. Uh, yeah, they didn't they didn't miss a lot of kicks before. Nope, nope, they did not. They did not. So that then brings us on to this week's guest and our tenuous plans for theme pods each week of the Spring Tour have extended into a second week. The Raw Rugby Podcast. Uh, we return to the Pods Brisbane studio again this week, and from there, ticking the France box for the spring tour themes is former Stade Francais scrum half and the Raw Rugby columnist, Will Genia. Hello again, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very well. Thanks for being available for us and allowing us to keep up this just barely surviving theme of ours. We're trying to, <laughs> still not entirely sure how we're going to get an Italy link in next week, but I've got something in mind, and we could just... We could just pull it off. We'll start in the same place we start every week. Uh, what stood out for us on another busy weekend? We'll kick us off. Mate, uh, I was really impressed with uh, the Japanese rugby team. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I, um, you know, lots made about the fact that they're not the most physical side, you know, they're, they're not the biggest side. And obviously, you've got to then figure out what your point of difference is. And I just think they're such a well-conditioned team. They play with such speed and energy and with such a high level of skill. Um, and it just really stood out to me how much they really took it to the All Blacks. And look, let's be honest, it was probably a second or in some cases, third string All Black team, but none, it's an All Black team nonetheless. And now the way that they pushed them with that style of rugby and with that up-tempo, high-skill um, game was just so impressive to watch. And um, 
that, that's absolutely what stood out for me over the weekend. Yeah, mm. yeah. And look, the, uh, from, we're from that, I can go straight to mine. And that was Warner Dern's charge down and try in the 55th minute, which for no other reason lets me insert this clip right now. Committed to this Japan team. Kicks charge. Oh, beautifully done by Dern's. And the big man strides away for the try. That is sensational. <laughs> what a moment. Oh, how impressive is this athleticism? He's a very tall man. He still had a jump. And that was, Harry, just one of the great highlights of the game. Like For a big guy like that to get his hand on the ball and catch it in the same motion and then run 30 metres to score. Oh, it's pure magic. And I actually think he uses bicep, which tells me into my <laughs> memory, which that we now see a codicil to the rugby law about um, cleaning out rocks, which is a difficult skill because you've got to mm. aim for the ribs at about a 75-degree angle. And, you know, you get mixed up with the head, you're in trouble. <laughs> but it turns out that, you know, the biceptual ref said, if you can really just hit it right around the bicep, it's okay. Mm. And I was thinking that really depends on whose bicep it is, first of all. And then are we really going to break down the arm into its constituent yeah. parts, a tricep? Is a tricep okay? Is the, yeah. you know, is the elbow is probably the worst. So it's really difficult to imagine that that was well, something that World Rugby wanted to invoke. But maybe it is. Maybe it is our way to walk back from too many red cards uh, for which next was, year. Which was Jim Tucker's point on Sunday morning in the instant pod. And look, it's an interesting point. Is I mean, if the elbow is no good, is the forearm okay? If, if a knee to the head is no good, is a shin to the head all right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Will with Will with the greatest respect, I, I think we'd probably prefer your bicep to say, I don't know, Owen Frank's shoulder, maybe. Is that fair to say? Mate, I'm, I'm very fair to say. I think my bicep would cause any kind of damage. So, but it, it's a funny way. To, it's, it's a it's a funny thing to sort of say because then it's like you'd have to take into account absolutely everything: the size of a person, the size of their bicep, the size of their tricep. You know, yeah. what what does right. that, how big is their hand? And it's kind of like opening Pandora's <laughs> box. It's opening yeah. Pandora's box as to like how are we going to continue to make these types of decisions. So, I mean, yeah, it's 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 uh, humorous nonetheless. <laughs> it'd be really, it'd be really it could be really embarrassing if you said, you know, even that's the best bicep. Yes, that would be a red card. But you, Lou the Yager, no, not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, it could tend to like this competition. Yeah. Just, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do curls now and see if I can get yeah. retarded from my bicep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine being told by referee, I'm sorry, we've got to mitigate it down to a yellow card because your bicep's not big enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, like you're dear. saying, if you, get, if, you kick, if you kick someone in the head, it's like, mate, you're a size eight. So you know, <laughs> from a size 12 up, that's a red card. Yeah. Oh, as if there aren't enough cans of worms uh, in rugby. Let's get on to, to Scotland and, and the Wallabies. I am still scratching my head, but there was a lot of things to like out of it. Will, what did, what sort of what, what what impressed you with the way the Wallabies were able to find a win in a game that they would that they have lost plenty of times in the not too distant past? Man, I was really impressed. I think I wrote about it earlier in the column. I was just really impressed with with the second rowers. I thought yes, um, I thought in the defensive lineup they were excellent. They you know, and Northern Hemisphere teams pride themselves a lot of being able to execute their set piece and and. and create play and generate play off the back of their set piece. So the fact that we were able to disrupt that probably didn't allow them to get in the game as much as they would have liked, Scotland that is. Mm. And then just the little things that they, that they did around the field, they put a lot of pressure on the box kicks, uh, on, on you know, trying to charge down kicks. The, you know, I think Frost in particular just was a, was a pest in and around that defensive breakdown, wanting to just make sure that they had to commit further numbers. And they both just had a physical presence around the field, which I really enjoyed. And, um, I thought the I thought at times during that first half we were we, we played with some good endeavor. You know, we created some yep. some mismatches and some overlaps, uh, particularly down the you know that left hand side of the field in that first half. Um, so there's certainly some good moments in there that I that I that I was pretty impressed with. Uh, I think on the flip side, I think the biggest work on for us is probably just our attacking breakdown. Yeah, you know, there's times there where yeah. the ball placement is quite sloppy and it's rolling out, uh, or we're too slow to commit to the breakdown and. Uh, they're getting the, the the turnover penalties, and there's a couple of times there in particular when we made some nice inroads in behind them. You could see that the support player on the outside is probably waiting for that next phase, yeah. As opposed to committing to that ruck and wanting to win that ball and then play off the back of that. So, I think that'll probably be a big area of work on for us moving into this French game in particular. Yeah, no, no doubt, and that's sort of 
there's a feeling that the that the back row um, was maybe a bit disconnected. Is that how you saw it? It just didn't quite seem as harmonious as it has done. And maybe that's because Michael Hooper hasn't played a game since July. Maybe it's as simple as that. Mate, the combinations play a big part, you know. And, and, and to, to be fair as well to someone like Pete Simon, he was excellent in, in his yeah. in his in his starting starting appearances. I thought he made a huge difference to that pack just because and again, it's no disrespect to hoops, but it's he brings size, which is a big thing in Test rugby these days. He's obviously a bigger body, um, which gives you an added strength in the lineup with with another option. But then being a bit of bigger body and 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 how athletic he is around the field, um, it just gives you a bit more starch in defense. It obviously gives you a bit more mm. in the carry, um, and they just seem to to be building a really nice combination with those guys in that back row. So it's it sort of gives a, a pretty tough. Um, situation for the coaches moving into the rest of this tour. I mean, he hurt his back, so he wasn't able to take his position yeah. on the bench. But I'll be honest, I was surprised that he wasn't picked to start um, that, that test. I think there was a bit of surprise, Harry, that that Michael Hooper was dropped straight back in to start. I think even the talk out of the Wallabies um, yeah, was recent, as, as late as, as Wednesday last week seemed to suggest that, you know, that they were – still wanting to ease Hooper back in. They weren't wanting to overload him. So it was a bit of a surprise that he, that he started it. And so, oh, like, I wonder, and I know you keep a very close eye on, on back row play. How do you, how do you try and reconnect a, a back row that, that does sort of lose its, its, its connection like that? No, you're right. Back rows are such a different uh, little cohort. Um, you're hunting together. You bleed together. You're the psychopaths of the team. Um, you're the ones that, you know, cover, scramble, you, you're typically the heart, uh, so one of them is usually very quiet, never talks by the way, but, but they're the one you're scared of the most. And so I think that, that, yeah, gelling together is something and, uh, Jamie Ritchie, uh, Hamish Watson and Matt Fagerson are a good loose trio. I I think Mm. they're better than the loose trios the Wallabies had faced. Uh, in this year so far, that might be the best one. And I think they mucked up the rock very well, even better they, than Argentina's. Yeah, because I think by the time Argentina's finished, they were so dead on their feet. I mean, I think yeah. you know, the tackle stats, notwithstanding, it's still a lot of tackling and not a lot mm. of uh, what I would call aggressive rock messing. So I think you know, they they faced a very, very difficult when, when Scotland plays like that, it's very difficult for anyone. They mm. keep the score down. Um, this test is weird because everything has a as a contradiction, like you would always want to put your test captain back in when he comes back. He's a spiritual heart of the team. You could see him, you know, jumping around the street when Andrew Kelly was playing the bagpipes. He was so full of joy. <laughs> He's having a great, great time in, in the wash up afterwards in the, in the change room. He was singing with gusto. I'm glad hoops back, but it's a difficult yeah. thing to drop someone back in at that level as we'll put uh, points out in his article this week. That's a whole different level of intensity and speed. And yeah. you could see that Hooper was a little bit behind on some of those decision-making. And like, I would just jump mm. to a bigger point that Will made in his article, which is a day for any team has lots of details in their head. It looks like that because there's a lot of guys in the zone to clean, but they weren't coming in at the right height at the right moment, ready to go. Like one, two, three, blue, gray, yellow, some kind of code in a team where the second arriver does this. The first arriver does that. If the first one doesn't get it, the second one does it. Yeah. There was a lot of watching, and you just don't get two seconds. You don't get two yeah. seconds in plus rugby to clean a ruck. Not, not with the likes of Hamish Watson no. operating on the ground like that. No, no, it was, it was, it was. It's a, it's a really good point. Um, the the backline came under fire. Will as 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 it always seems to <laughs> seems to do when it's. When it's not quite right, I mean, how how did you see it, and how do you try and spark a, a misfiring backline like that? Well, yeah, there would have been plenty of times where you tried to, you, you've had to try and do that in games. Yeah, I think a lot of it is reliant on continuity, and we probably started that in terms of, you know, the point that we were just making around not being able to, to secure the ball once we started to get line breaks and get in behind them and, and sort of play on the game line and. As a backline, you, you're, you're very heavily, heavily reliant on, on if you're not getting front for ball, it's, about, it, it's either that or you're getting like mountains of possession, even if you're getting behind the game line, to be able to build into the game with phases. So um, I think so Bernard Foley would probably be disappointed with his performance. Um, yeah. 
probably a few crucial errors um, at, at certain points in the game. Couple, you know, kick out on the full. Uh, obviously, that poor pass which led to the try. Um, and so, you know, I guess a lot of the responsibility will fall on your number ten because more often than not, he's if he's not playing well, it's hard for the back run to be able to quit yeah. uh, because he he's essentially the quarterback of the team. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so he he'll, he obviously has to bear a bit of responsibility there, and then you've obviously got, you know, like I was saying, the, the work in and around the breakdown. Um, but I mean, on a positive note, I thought Tate played 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 really well. I mean, I thought he, you know, he was brought in to be able to try and spark the, the game, mm. particularly in and around that ruck. And we saw early on him obviously make that line break, um, mm. and I was pretty impressed with his game overall. You know, he's he's moving well to the breakdown. He's um, he, we obviously know how hard he works in cover defense to be able to make sure he, he, he provides that extra number in the back line. But um, I think there's also areas of his game we probably need to improve as well. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to see him work a little bit more on his, his um, well, I, would, I shouldn't say work a little bit more on it. I know he does a lot of work on his passing, particularly on that left to right side, but it's yeah. I'd like to see him trust his tech, I'd like to see him trust his technique more because if you look at him when he passes right to left. It's very deliberate. He chest low, foot close into the ball, hands through to the target. There's just times there when he he doesn't seem to trust his technique on the left or right. If you watch him closely, it's almost like he yeah. throws the ball like, and technique goes out the window and he yeah. kind of hopes that it gets there. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see him trust himself a little bit more. And the thing is, maybe that'll come with the more game time that he gets. Um, but he was certainly see, a positive for us, I think, in that game. He seems to have a tell as well, Will. When he's going to go left to right, I think he is a little bit nervous about it. So he comes upright to the ruck, mm, and yeah, he uses a lot. Of, he uses a lot of body. When he's when he's going the other way, it's more in that classic crab position, like Aaron Smith doing almost a yoga split, and uh, it seems to whip better. And I did see when I was at Sydney watching the the warm ups, I, I saw the three of them uh, throwing long passes to each other, and you know you could just tell the difference between Jake Gordon's bullet and um, Tate's float. When they were trying to go 20, 25 meters. I, yeah. It, how do you work on that? Is that something you can do at this at yeah. this stage or, or, or exactly not? Exactly the question yeah, I was going to ask. 100%. So the thing with Tate is if you watch the right to left, it's very fluid. The movement into the ball is, and and and, and, then he, and the actual pass is one motion. But you're, you're exactly right when you say when it goes to the left or the right, he gets to the breakdown and he stops and plants and almost is like, Okay, have I done this? Have I done that? Now it's now now I go to the pass. You know, it's all, almost like it's it's not second nature to the point where he thinks about it. And in terms of um, how do you practice it? It's just man, it's just numbers. It's sheer numbers, mm-hmm. and then just making that become second nature and second habit. Because I, I tell you, like when I like when I was playing like test match rugby, there'd be times where you get into a breakdown and you're just absolutely knackered. Like you're thinking to yourself, it's gone for a number of phases. It's the sixty fifth minute or something. And you don't think like you, it's just hard to get there. And when you get there, it's like, oh, damn man, I've got to pass this ball as well. And that's yeah. when it's, you've got to just rely on the technique. And you know, there'll be times in games where I'll, I'd be getting there and throwing it. And I'm thinking, how did that ball even get there? But then you go back and, and then you go back and you review the game. And when you watch it, it's like, oh, this is how I was feeling in that moment. I didn't think I was even going to get to the breakdown, let alone pass that ball. But then you watch it, and because of Again, sheer numbers in practice. Your foot's in the right position. Your chest is in the right position. Your hands finish off the target. So I, I would just say it's just it's just practice and practice and practice yeah. and deliberate practice. You know, not just saying that, not just going there and doing a bunch of passes and and saying oh, I did it, so it should work. It's about how can I make this as deliberate as possible so that it's going to transfer into the game. And and look, I did a bit, little bit of work with him, and and from all reports and the type of person that he is, he certainly is someone who would be doing that. It's yeah. just maybe a case of um, we got to give him time to for it to be able to transfer because part of it is it's a mental thing and a confidence and you know if, like I'm, when I was playing I'm, I was fortunate I'm playing week in week out so not only do I get to practice it I, in training I practice it when I go out there and perform and mm. yeah he, he hasn't played as consistently as he would have liked and I think if he gets to do that it's then easier for it to transfer into the games. Is is it something you still have to? be sure to work on one side more than the other? Is that is that something you, you're still doing now? Well, you, we, I still work on my passing every session. You know, you, you'll do a little bit based. Yeah. I think as you get older, so like like I said, it's sheer numbers and you build up a, yes. a, a base and you build up a feel and you understand your technique. So for me, right to left, technically I'm better because I had to work on it so much when I was younger. So I've got better wrist, yeah, right. wrist, wrist flick on my left to right. My feet and positioning in my chest is better. 
Whereas on my right, I can be a bit lazy with my technique because I was always better on my right. So I, I tend to trust my left to right better than I do my right to left just because of the amount of work that I've done on it. Yeah, right. Um, Are you a natural right-hander? So, yeah, I'm a natural right-hander, yeah. Right. So, But your left to right was stronger. That's, that's yeah, well, it, right out of like, the box. Like I said, yeah, because I, you break it down and you, you realize, all right, I need to work on this technique so that I can trust it when I'm tired or trust it in big moments and yeah. you work on it more. So see, if, if I'm doing like a 30-minute passing session, I'll devote probably 20 minutes to my left and 10 minutes to my right. Yeah. Um, that type of thing so that you can you, you train it a bit more and you give it a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was really I always interesting. Was, I always thought on your weaker side of the pass, what we do is we, we try to spin the ball and on our stronger, we don't even think about it. The ball spins almost naturally. And you just let it go. But on the on the weak side, you go, I must spin the yeah. ball. I must spiral. And so then you're thinking yeah. too much about the guiding hand, uh, yeah. the right yeah. the right hand in this case. And then yeah. you, you muck up you muck up the stuff. It becomes a wobbler. And I think he's got a few wobblers. But I also wonder about the pressure on the ruck itself because the Scots were actually walking through and getting through. Dave Cherry, the hooker, was doing pretty well as well. And uh, so I think he might have felt like he had to rush those. Um, and I was almost, you know, that's why Slipper scored because it was phase four. If it had gone to phase five, they would have turned it over. <laughs> but I mean, it was a very tough, tough night as a scrum off because you're, mm. you're, you're feeling the fact that it's a shorter time before you can get a clean ball. And Nick White does a good job sometimes of getting that and running backward. He almost backs out of it and creates space for him self whereas tate was you know brave guy tough guys like i'm gonna stand in there and get, get whacked a little bit so did you did so you see the difference between nick nick and tate there yeah definitely and the the difference that you can see is just experience yeah. like yeah, yeah. And, and test rugby is very different to playing super rugby and also test rugby in the northern hemisphere is very different to test rugby in the southern hemisphere because in my experience whenever you play any of the northern hemisphere teams they put so much pressure on at the breakdown you know, they're, they're, they're just fighting tooth and nail to make it difficult, to make it slow, to get in on the halfbacks. Whereas, you know, when you play against the All Blacks, they probably trust themselves more in and around fatiguing you by making you attack for long periods of time and then you make a mistake type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, um, and Whitey's very well versed in that because he played over in the North Hemisphere. He's, he's what, 32 years old. He's played a whole bunch of rugby. He's played over 50 tests and had good consistent time in the number nine jersey. Whereas Tate probably... That's still probably part of his learning curve. He's got to understand yeah. there's got to be ways that you can get around and deal with that pressure in and around the ruck. Um, and 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 for me, I, I, having said that, I'd like to see him, you know, play a bit more because I, as much as I understand what Dave is doing around rotating his nines to be able to find out what the best combination is, you've also got to be able to give someone time to establish themselves, yeah, so they have confidence in going into the rest of the spring tour, confidence going into Super Rugby to then you know, boost them into a, a, a good test season leading into the World Cup and ultimately perform at the, at the, on the biggest stage. Yeah, yeah. So so on that, Will, and I'd I'd hate to be the guy who sits Nick White down and tries to argue with him that maybe finishing the game might actually be the be the best for the team. Is there – Whitey's impact off the bench was – you couldn't not see that against against Scotland on, on the weekend. Is, is there merit in finishing him with – with Whitey off the bench and, and, and letting Tate have that time to start games and get, get used to that idea. I absolutely, I absolutely think there is because rugby is now a game where like, even when I was playing, like your halfbacks would play 80 minutes or even 70. Yeah. Minutes, whereas nowadays your halfbacks really play 50, 55, 60, 60 minutes at the most before the, the mm. guy off the bench comes on. And so the guy, whoever's sitting on the bench is definitely going to get a whole bunch of time to be able to impact the game. Um, and so when you look at it from that perspective, it's what he's done well starting and coming off the bench. But mm. the problem is when he started, both Jake and Tate haven't had um, a, a, a big impact on games when they come off the bench. Whereas you flip it on the other side, when Jake when Jake has started and Tate started and Whitey's had to come off the bench, he's had a huge impact, a hugely yeah. positive impact to, to, to the team's performance. And so maybe it's a case of, well, that that's probably the best combination of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because it, with someone like Tate, you know he's going to add a bit of spark, and you know while he might be a little bit loose, and if he's probably having one of those games where his passing isn't as good as it would need to be, you know, his, his kicking isn't, mm. well then Whitey just comes on comes on at half time. Or you, Eddie Jones, I think brought on 
um, the reserve halfback for England after what was it, 25 minutes or something? Yeah, yeah. In the second test, brought him on after half an hour, maybe it might have been 35 minutes, but definitely brought him on before half time. You're right. It's, it's yeah, interesting. So I think, I think that that combination can certainly work. And yeah, you know, again, you'd be, you have to be a brave man to sit down and watch in. Well, that was going to be the. You, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. play well when you start and off the bench, but we want you off the bench because the other blokes don't do well off the bench. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. How, how do you reckon you'd have gone five years ago if um, if Czech had to sat you down and said, Will, I want you to wear 21 for the rest of the year? Oh, I wouldn't have taken it very well. But, um, <laughs> I mean, we, we, so we, we, what, we, we kind of did that in the last Rugby World Cup, you know, went up in my last yeah. sort of few games for, for the Wallabies. And, that was all right because in that in, in that situation, while I wanted to start, I did also understand that, you know, I was having a pretty decent impact on on the game coming off the bench. Yeah. But also, I was getting good time. Like I was coming on at the fifty five minute mark or the fifty minute mark, and likewise with Whitey. And so, um, maybe for Whitey, that experience in itself might help him understand if that's a decision that they mm. choose to make. Well, it's, um, it's three tests in a row now that he's that he's come off the bench um, and 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 had good impact. So I I wonder if this is something that they're working on. I, I wonder if there is, you know, mate, it's, a little it's, something it's, that's it, 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 it seems that way. And the thing is, the thing that also mm. helps is to be like, look, mate, if, you ha- if you're going to have that conversation, it's maybe kind of saying, you're going to get plenty of time anyway. You're going to get 30 yeah. minutes. You might even get 35 minutes or you might even get a half. Yeah. But you just add so much value to the team coming off the bench in that sense. And it's it's, it's similar to someone like Tony Otupo, obviously a world-class player. Yeah, but it seems to have much it's, more of an impact coming off the bench than starting. And it's game. exactly the same conversation we were we were having about about Tupo last year because his form at Super Rugby level was outstanding, and you know there was there was question marks as to you know surely he needs to start to start him, but then it was a question of, well, do you actually get more impact off the bench from Tupo or Al Alatoa? And I think, well, I think exactly, yeah, yeah. It's it's exactly think, the same thing. It's exactly the same. I think thing. The, I think the way you play that as a coach, as you say, you know. Mate, you're my game winner, you know, and you, and you say you're the most, <laughs> yeah. most important bloke on the team. But I, I would actually respectfully disagree. I think White is a starter, and I think it's because I, I don't go, I don't like going down six fifteen on the road, and then have a guy come in and try to rescue it. I'd prefer the experienced guy to start the game. Beautiful box kicks, got a, a great sense of the game, and then you bring in the wild card Tate or Jake to come in and, you know, snake us through or snipe us through. Mm. But this, this brings up a larger point. I'm, I'm loving to hear Will's viewpoint. Well, actually, I'm talking to two nines. So to me, the nines are the most varied. <laughs> you're, t- you're talking to one nine and a one middle-aged guy. Let's get nah, that nah. right. Okay. In the end, we all, end up, we all end up as props, as I told everyone. So, so, <laughs> so the, the nines are soon. the most the most distinct <laughs> from each other. Like, you know, there, there are core functions for a lock and a prop that must get done. There are core functions for a wing that must happen. There's certain speed functions there. But the nines, you look at, you know, DuPont, which is like a loose forward that the Wallabies about to play. You have um, Ben Youngs. You have uh, Jaden Hendricks, the kind of box-kicking Connor Murray types. You've got Ali Price, who just tries to pick the perfect pass, like Aaron Smith, just a rope. Um, and then you have inside the Wallaby camp, these are different players. And so you are, mm. you are affecting the shape of the game when you put uh, Jake or Tate or, uh, and even for the, for the All Blacks, look how different Brad Weber is from... Um, yeah, to Aaron Smith Fakatava. and Finlay Christie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Fakatava, yeah. Uh, for, for the box, you know, Faf de Klerk is an extra rover back who tries to uh, invade enemy lines. He's a defensive juggernaut. But, you know, he can be a real liability on, on, on the attack. And then you have Hendrickson, which is more, who's more like a classic, you know, old nine. So I think it's fascinating for a coach on who you start at nine. Apparently, Eddie Jones is just coming back to Ben Young's after, after all the sound and fury. But what do you think, Will, if you put in Tate from the beginning, you're actually dictating a different style of play completely from, um, from Whitey, no? But I completely agree. Your nine touches the ball the most. And if, yeah. say, for example, you have a running nine, the game essentially has to cater to him a little bit. You know, not a yeah. lot because obviously the team comes first. Or you have a classical nine, say like a Whitey, who's excellent pass, excellent kick. Again, the game caters to how he fits into it more. And then you use the, the South African examples again, like a, a Faf de Klerk. He's a bit of a rover and he's also a bit of a... 
he's a little bit similar to DuPont in that he's he likes the physical stuff. He's a, he's a good support player and things like that. But then Hendricks is more your classical nine who's a distributor. He likes to get out and challenge the defenders around the rock and a little bit more silky and smooth with his work. Um, it makes a big difference in how you want to play the game. And uh, look, if I was pressed on who I had to start, say if it's a big game and a big test match, um, I'm, I'm probably going to start Whitey because I'm like mm. you. I'd rather mm. I'd rather try to win the game from the outset than bring someone on who who who, um, who can win it when the, when like when we're down fifteen six as the example. Um, because and I you know I, I think and whether this is right or wrong to say I think that Whitey plays to the current Wallaby structure and the way they want to play the game better than the other two. To me, it just seems like he understands um, understands the game style and game plan more and then it allows him to make better decisions and read the play and read the cues and see 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 the pictures clearer in order to make the right decisions. And uh, like I said, if I was pressed, I would choose him. And, and again, to be fair, while he's had a really good impact off the bench, he's also been very, very good when he started games for us. So... Yeah, it can be one argument to say, look, we'll we'll bring him off the bench because the other guys haven't performed well off the bench. Um, but then it's like, well, you either have to perform well off the bench, and we're going to start Whitey, or we'll pick somebody else. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I think you can also look yeah. at it that way. Yeah. So, yeah. But to your but to your point, yeah, I think you're completely right. It, it really changes the the way the teams will play depending on the type of halfback that you have. That's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Because oh, so with it's, 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 so with because even with like when when I first started playing in, in Czech's style of rugby, I had to adjust a bit because the way we played the Reds, you know, a lot of it was dictated off me being a running halfback. And so like whenever yeah. we had plays where we were playing off nine, it was my decision as to if I wanted to scoot out um, or how far I wanted to scoot out or if I threw the ball off the deck. Whereas when Czech wanted what he wanted from his nines, is everything wanted was off the deck. It wasn't very much running, particularly early yeah. on around 15 and 16. And so I had to get used to that and try to fit into it. Um, and Quaid and, naturally and, plays a lot flatter than, than Bernard Foley too. Exactly. So you think about the number 10s as well. So like we, when he was at the Reds, he dictated when he wanted to stand flat or stand deep. Yeah. Whereas the way with Czech wanted to play, yeah, 10 is essentially just, he's more a distributor, particularly, again, yeah. particularly around 15 and 16. It's catch, give, yeah. catch, give, catch, give, occasionally have a run. And the way we would beat teams in and around that time was we would just hold the ball for long periods of time and bludgeon them, bludgeon them, bludgeon them, bludgeon them. Eventually they crack. Um, so yeah, well, the hard part. The hard part now is that snipes don't work as well as they used to because no. uh, the defenses close in on them. And so unless you're a Dupont who's strong enough to hold someone up and wait for wait for reinforcements or even offload, um, yeah, not a lot of the. I mean, like you saw Tate incredible break and it led to. Exactly nothing. So, yeah, well, the thing about it is, it's, it's, yeah. The, the thing with that is because teams are a little bit more robotic in attack now because defenses are, are, are a lot better. You know, defenses are a lot more structured now so that it's harder in and around those places to make line breaks. Yeah. Whereas, and, and, and then again, going back to saying that teams are more robotic, if you look at the way teams play, everybody's got to be in a certain position. You know, you've got the elite as your forward pods, you've got your lead runner, then the guy on the inside and the guy on the outside. Mm-hmm it's pretty much give the ball to him and he tips on the in- inside or tips on the outside or plays out the back of the 10. You get your variation from that. Very rarely do you have teams where, like, so when I was playing again, like you'd have three flat. And then if I see that I want to play the forwards, I'm scooting out and then I can either choose to play short, middle or wide or play at the back. And that's what allows you to be able to, as a halfback, manipulate those spaces. Whereas a lot of the teams now, it's, again, give off the deck early to that middle runner. He can play on the inside, play on the outside, play at the back. Exactly. Because um, if you yeah. if you speak about Tate's break in particular, if you think about it, it was off counter attack, and so yeah, the yes, defenses weren't was. as organised. Yeah. Um, and 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 the good thing about him is he he obviously looks for those types of spaces and was and was mm-hmm. able to pick at it pick at it. But yeah, it's 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 a little bit different now where you don't like you you were saying again with um Dupont, he's obviously a big strong guy, so he can create space naturally because of his size. Yeah, he's it's, hard. It's, he's hard to put down. It's a little bit like yeah. I know. So I know the box are about to play Jameson Gibson Parks. Maybe if he's back, and then uh, you guys are playing um, Dupont. So I mean, that's to me. You know, Jake White was always smart about saying, "Take away your opponent's biggest strength. Don't don't always pick at the weaknesses. Like, what is the what is the thing they rely on the most, and take that away. And then what have they got? So mm-hmm. how do the Wallabies get into Dupont? Is there a way 
I mean, I watched him play uh, against Wales and, and struggle on that one. And on the Lucys got into um, Dupont on that night in Wales and Cardiff. Is that the only way you can shut down the French is take away their, their, their linchpin? No, so you, you want to know the biggest way you can, you can nullify a halfback's influence is, is you nullify their forwards, forward, his forward pack's influence. If you, the reason, like you, you, you say, you sort of answer your question there is you're saying the, the, the Lucy's got into the pond. The Lucy's get, are able to get into him because his forwards probably aren't as dominant as what they, what they can yeah. be. Because, yeah. mate, I'll tell you, as a halfback, if your forwards are being physical and dominant, you have all the time in the world to make any decision you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that French pack is dominant. They're a big physical team. You know, you love like playing on the edge, you love being bringing energy into that side of the game. They're very, very good at the set piece and the scrumming and the line out. And so the way to nullify DuPont's influence is to be able to match the forward pack physically and not give him the time and space to be able to make decisions. So it's going to be a big challenge for our pack. Um, if they can stand up and do that, you, you kind of you nullify his impact a little bit um, and, and hopefully can take him out of the game to not have as much of an influence. Rugby. On the roar. That brings up your uh, your point in your article um, about dropping Will Skelton in because Will Skelton versus Paul Valencia is like the clash of the titans. It's 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 about you know three hundred and fifty kgs of smash each in, into each other. Um, do you favor that, or do you think they should stick with uh, Frosty and Neville? Well, I think Frost and Neville performed very well. I, I, mm. I was pleasantly surprised, particularly with Caden Neville. I thought he played really, really well. You know, he's a bit of a late bloomer. I remember being in Wallaby camp with him like a while ago, um, and he was—he he probably wasn't ready to, to to be to have that experience. But now you see him; he's, he's performing. I thought he performed incredibly well over the weekend, along with Frost. And the thing about dropping someone in, you know. I think I mentioned it in the article. Like, you, there's there's so much to it that you have to pick up because, uh, yes. you know, people can say pe- people can say things like, "Well, it's the same cause as last year; it shouldn't be too hard." But what you don't realize is that person's then gone away after playing three games and played a year with his club, yeah. and so you forget mm-hmm. those things, you know, because your club becomes more important than 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 the national team because you're with them for the entire year, and so you test rugby is the game's faster, it's more intense, it's more physical. There's far less room for error so you've got to be all across your detail um and that's a detail of knowledge and then that's also the detail also around you know the conditioning that you need to be at you know the guys who have been in camp with the wallabies are training at a specific level that allows them to be able to perform at test match level so and that's no slight to la rochelle or club rugby but it's just not at that same level and so the the for someone like will coming in it's 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 a case of easy condition to the point where you can you know, play at that level, but also make the right decisions when he's under fatigue at that level. Will he still remember the calls when he's under fatigue at that level? You know, has he got everything down pat? Um, and so they've got to assess those things while also weighing up the fact that he mm-hmm. he is a, a big body. He is someone who can make a difference for us. He won't be getting his line-out calls in French for starters. That's going to be a massive well, mate, that's a adjustment. Thing. Mate, it's, it's a, that's it's a thing. It's like it... it it doesn't seem, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but it really is. You know, it, yeah. it, particularly, again, Dave likes to play a really structured game where, you know, you've got to be at certain parts of the field off contestable kicks or, or, or long kicks or depending where the fullback carries, I want you to be at this side of the field or that side of the field, depending on where they've kicked the ball from. You know, there's a lot of detail in his game around that space. And then so you've got to make sure that you understand all those calls, you remember them under fatigue, so you need to be conditioned physically at that at that level you need to make sure that you understand your details so that when you are tired you know exactly where you've got to be you know all those sorts of things come into it and so i mean it's a very long answer to your question is he ready to come back into the team and take one of their positions maybe if they didn't play well i would say yes mm. but i thought that they deserve to have another crack um yeah uh, and, and maybe it's a good thing for will that he can get a week of work into him from the wallabies and c staff and obviously get a bit more up to date with his uh, his knowledge as well It'd be interesting to see what happens because because Dave Rennie certainly gave the indication that Skelton would start whenever he was available. So we, we, we'll we'll find out on on Thursday later this week whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. Give us an idea. You, you did it a couple of times, didn't you? Came came back into the Wallabies camp while you were playing in France. Give give us an idea how it works 
logistically. Like it's not just a matter of, um, you know, you're not flying from Brisbane to Sydney. You're, fl- you're flying halfway ac- across the world. I mean, it's, it's not so bad for a spring tour, I suppose, but give us an idea of how difficult an adjustment it is. Well, so the first time I did it in 2016, I was injured. So I've, I was coming off the back of seven months off. And so I did three months of that rehab in Brisbane. So I was already there working, doing some work with the Wallabies S&C staff to get right for it. But then I, I actually experienced what Will is. So like after that rugby championship, it finished in 2016, I went back and I was playing for Stade Francais. And then I dropped back in for spring tour. But because the first game was out of the international window, I only dropped, yeah. I came for, I think it was 2016, I came for Scotland. Ireland and um, I can't remember one other team. Pro- but probably it was Wales. It was, yeah, probably. Yeah, it would have been Wales. Probably yeah, it Wales. was Wales, actually. Mm. But it was, it was such a strange feeling, like um, meeting them on spring tour um, after them having played a test match and just rocking up in Scotland and saying, hey, boys, what's going on? Like, it was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a pretty strange feeling. And then to leave a week early after having played, I think it was Ireland in 2016, to, to, to then go away and then to see them still playing. So I, it's, it's a strange situation. And it's like you, you, you almost – you still feel part of it all, but you also don't because you know you've come yeah. late and you know you're leaving early. Um, and so maybe like – like it, it can be hard to be like fully engaged and fully there because yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really interesting. And it will be interesting to see how he, uh, how he does adjust this week and whether, whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench, how, however he does it. Uh, before we let you go, will um, Harry's uh, embarked on a, uh, a heroic escapade of picking a team of the week from the spring tour each week. Um, and he's kicked off, this week with a pretty decent side, I've got to say. Sometimes you see these teams and you think, what was this bloke watching? But this was one of those rare occasions where I saw that team and went, yep, I'm pretty happy with that. And the big headline from it was there was seven Japanese players. So um, your full team, Harry, just to to refresh your memory and you can talk us through it, yeah, (laughs) was um, uh, James Slipper, um, Atsushi Sakati and and Tyra Lomax up front, Warner Dean's Nick Frost locks, Michael Leach, uh, Kazuki Himeno, Tavita Tatafu with the, the back row, Ali Price, Blair Kinghorn, the halves, Caleb Clark, Sione Tupolotu, Dylan Riley, Katara Matsushima, and Ollie Smith was the uh, was the fullback. Um, I presume you're standing by that. You're not making any late changes. Yeah, I had, the, the one I struggled with was was nine actually, and I and I rewarded Ali Price only because he didn't make very many errors and it was an error strewn performance. I would have given it to White if he had been on the field longer but I was trying not to pick people for cameos. Uh, Other thing is, you know, you have to sort of divorce yourself from their actual pedigree and how good they are in general and just Mm. take that day, that week, that's it. And just look at one performance. Yes, exactly. So Dylan Dylan Riley was just unbelievable. I mean, he just played the match of his life. Uh, I don't know if Derns will ever play that well again. I don't know if he'll ever charge down them a ball and keep it run but that was just um, and he, he played very well in general so yeah i think most of those have been uh uncontroversial i suppose the mix is what gets people they go well how come there's more from the mm. team that lost and that's not how you know you judge players performance um the all blacks if you just pick you know the team that would win you just pick a bunch of all blacks but uh yeah. uh is on their day they struggled and so i couldn't reward them for that, I think somewhere easy. James Slipper had one of his best matches in a yeah. long, long time, and probably Frost had the match of his life so far and at the test level. But yeah, no, I got some good comments. I think the the Japanese Lucys were unbelievable. Oh, I mean, some him, of the, him and O particularly was outstanding, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for your your background. I thought that background was incredible. Michael Leach, I don't yeah. know how he's still playing and still having such a big impact on. On games and p- performing the way that he is, he's, he's I only player. recently learned Will that he's only thirty-four. I thought he was thirty-six or seven. I must have. Yeah, been. I, mean, I feel like I've just, he's, so he's my age. I feel like I should still be playing based on how he's done. But no, the other one, I, thought, I, I, I can't, I, I can't remember who your wingers were, but I think the other guy that was good was the CSI of Fafita, the other winger for Japan. He was, yeah. yeah I, I really struggled with that, and so I just thought, you know. Caleb Clark had that one moment of brilliance where he just ran through the team, but he's also very good at the high ball. And I was looking at high ball um, specifically because I think that's going to be one of the keys um, going yeah. forward. 
but yeah, it was that was a tough one too. I I I, I started thinking I'm gonna have a team full of Japanese only. Uh, <laughs> 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 mate, that performance, I thought that performance yeah. would have warranted it, mate. They, you they, picked they, the they week. You picked the right week for it for sure. I mean, it's a it's a bit of a mugs game though, isn't it? Teams of the week, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I was a younger player, you, you get so caught up in, you know, did I make team of the week and this type of stuff. <laughs> did you, did you, like, did you like see Paul Cully's team of the week in the Sydney Morning Herald and just do the same thing that every other Australian fan does and just, well, there's too many Waratahs and that to start with? i I, I can't say that but um yeah it's funny it's 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 such a funny thing when you're a younger kid you look at all these things and you want to be in the team of the week and stuff like that but then you yeah you you sort of you sort of divorce yourself from that type of stuff and just concentrate on what you can do and what you can control yeah fair enough too look mate it's been it's been a great chat once again uh really really enjoyed it some fantastic um insights into so many things i feel like you've given us a scrum half 101 tonight it's been an absolute masterclass. so um so thanks for, for for getting all technical for us it's been fantastic no i appreciate you guys having me man i always love being on so thank you the roar fantastic again mate to have will genia it's just been such a treat to talk to him uh what's that three times now this this year so uh, he gives gives us so much that was a i mean for an old for a very old halfback that was absolutely yeah, that was great it's like his, it's like his name guinea it's like it's like he's generous it sounds it sounds yeah. like his name he's a yeah, generous guy he's always been good with us and uh wish him the best yeah absolutely absolutely it's heads back to japan uh very soon uh just to kick off their uh pre-season um things with the uh, kintetsu again um there is a couple of cracking games coming up this weekend in the in the uh, in the spring tour of the Ordination series. Uh, kicks off with Italy Samoa in Padova um, midnight Australian time, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. This is uh, on uh, on Sunday morning. Um, Scotland Fiji in Edinburgh. That's then followed by Wales and New Zealand in Cardiff. Ireland South Africa in Dublin. That's going to be a brilliant game. France Australia in Paris, uh, and then on Sunday. It's uh, England and Argentina at Twickenham. There's some there's some mouth watering games in that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be at one of those. So I have. Uh, I have oh, my will tickets. you just? I will be in Dublin at the Viva and ex- uh, be watching my wee explains, little box Explains why the podcast travel manager hasn't returned any of my calls and emails this week. He's been awkwardly avoiding me. All tapped out, man. Now uh, it all makes sense. I'm not sure who who wears the white jerseys. I'm not sure how that protocol works. We'll see. Surely, it's, Ar- surely it's your lot. Yeah, uh, when Ireland plays the box, but that's going to be massive. I've never been there before. I've never been to that stadium. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, they're the number one team in the world. We should finish yeah. respectively second. But I just have this little feeling that we're going to pull off something. Are you going to be? Is that where you're, you're going to be in Dublin for instant reaction? Yeah. Oh, yeah, fantastic. I'll just I'll I'll be yeah. in a pub in uh, in Dublin. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> um, Women's Rugby World Cup semi-finals this weekend. Uh, Canada v England at uh, half past four New Zealand time uh, on Saturday, and then New Zealand France at uh, at seven thirty. Both games at Eden Park. Uh, two very, very, very good contests. Um, the seedings are a bit funny. Canada and England is three against third against first and then it's second against fourth they haven't just done yeah because they you know? they stacked it in threes you had the three pool yeah winners, uh, true true and then yeah. bracketed the three runner up and yeah. three so it, it ends up in strange there has been no upset so far in this world cup and i don't think there's going to be i think it's just going to be uh go to the final and then you know the best team in the world england is gonna is gonna win but it, it looks like it to me but who's Eng- who's england gonna play though New Zealand. I think New Zealand will handle the French. Yeah, okay. All right. That'll be interesting. That will be interesting. Um, it is round nine of the Premiership uh, this weekend. They're, they're going on for another two weeks, interestingly. There's no URC this weekend. They don't play again till November 26, 27, 28. So it's interesting that some comp- – and I think the top 14 is still going in France as well. So it's interesting that some comps are still right. going and others others aren't. I don't quite get that. Um, a little bit of news to go out on, mate. Uh all Blacks captain Sam Kane has been ruled out from the remainder um, of the New Zealand tour. He's uh, copped a, 
cheek fracture in the win over Japan on Saturday. So he's come home. There's some significant doubt as to how much, if at all, Courtney Laws will play for England in this series. He's still uh, still having ongoing concussion-related symptoms five weeks after um, after being replaced in a Northampton game against Leicester uh, on 24th of September. So uh, that's a bit of a, a bit of a worry. On that topic, New Zealand rugby have announced that they're going to expand a trial of lower tackle heights in all community competitions next year as part of efforts to try and maximise the concussion risk. So the trial will see the first tackler is, is required to target the belly area below the sternum with the second tackler still able to tackle below the line of the shoulders in accordance with the current laws. So it's all about line, like a lower line for the first uh, the first tackler, which is, which is interesting. Um, Queensland Reds and the Saitama Panasonic Wild Knights will play for a newly minted shield on Friday night uh, in in their preseason postseason trial game. I'm not quite sure how to how to word that. The Western Force play; they face the uh, Rayasu D Rocks on Saturday. They are the artists formerly known as the NTT Shining Arcs. And finally, mate, um, proof that you know you, you're never too old. You just may, maybe slow down a bit. 40-year-old former All Black Ma'anonu has confirmed that he will return to Major League Rugby and play another season with the San Diego Legion. What a it's great evergreen. place to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could be worse. It's a holiday every day. Could be I a still lot think worse, it, I, I still think it would be tough to tackle him no matter what age he is. Yes, yes, very true. Uh, but that yeah. is episode 42 of the Raw Rugby Podcast in the can. Don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials. And do leave us a rating or a review if you've enjoyed the pod this year. Another couple of uh, five-star reviews in the last few weeks and the boffins keep telling us it all helps with the algorithms and the listings and all that sort of stuff. A big shout-out to um, our new fans in Indonesia. We debuted number one there last week. Ooh. Happy. Uh, the Thursday two-up is back this week with our concerns about the World Rugby Prescribed window that, that Will Guinea uh, made mention of there. We'll be back on Sunday morning as well, Australian time, with another instant reaction pod after the France Wallabies test in Paris. Like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice, and you will ensure that every new episode drops into your notifications as soon as it's live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. No matter how big your biceps are, come play with us. <laughs>